Hey, everybody, it's Nick Domenici from the Howl Podcast. Just letting you all know, Brandon Tyler, Al, and I will be hosting a new podcast called The Howl. We'll be featuring news and interviews concerning Wolfpack sports and much, much more. That's the Howl Podcast on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone, this is Tyler, Brandon, Nick, and Al coming to you from the Wolfpack Howl. All right, so we're going to talk about some good old fashioned football. If you know anything about football, well, you and our football, especially, you know that we lost the Fremont Cannon this year, which is a debacle. Um, any opinions? Any anger that you want to express? Cannonless. Cannonless is what we are now. Uh, I'd be angry if I was surprised, to be honest, but I'm not too surprised. I can't say I'm too angry, but... Why are you not surprised? I mean, UNLV, they're the Rebels. They suck. But do we not suck? Have we not sucked? Well, we're... All pride aside, how good are we really? Well, to be this shocked. I mean, Pullian really hasn't been doing that well. He had the one seven and five year, but uh, he's had, what, three or four recruiting classes now, and it really hasn't impressed like he has previous places. I know, I mean, he used to recruit at Stanford and Notre Dame, and Don't those schools Texas are. Man. Oh, that as well. You but, know, Johnny I mean, football, but, you know, we don't have no Johnny football <laughs> here. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I'm sure Nevada's way harder when it comes to recruiting. Uh, it's a lot harder to convince people to come here. Are you saying Reno's not the greatest place on earth? Uh, I'm is saying compared saying? to Stanford and Notre Dame and A&M, <laughs> uh, it's, it's not quite up to par with those. But uh, still, I mean, uh, a lot of things that I didn't like about the game, I mean, uh, we're pretty much a run-first team, and we need to be. And if Tyler Stewart throws the ball 44 times, uh, it's, not a, it it's not a big recipe nice. for success. You hit it on the head. Our two best players on the team, on the offensive side for sure, are Don Jackson and James Butler. And why didn't they get the ball? Why didn't they run it 44 times instead of, I understand they're stacking the box, but you got to get your playmakers the ball, period. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, run first, ground and pound is a good old-fashioned, old, you know, good old boys school. And that's kind of football I like. I like that. Yeah, knows. and I mean, going off what Al said too, I mean, Nevada's seen stack boxes, I mean, pretty much since Pullian's been here. We don't really push the ball down the field with the passing game either. So, uh, I mean, I, I understand different looks defenses give you, but when you're mediocre at best, you got to stick to what you know and stick to your identity. Mediocre? Yeah, I, I feel like that's the word to describe our passing game. Though our defense, I feel, is pretty good. It could be better, but I, overall I'd give it a B. What do you guys think about the defense or how it was in that game? Uh, I think the defense has been – one of the bright spots, actually. I mean, if you remember the first year polling was here, we couldn't stop anyone on the ground. I mean, I think we gave up close to 1,500 or 15 different 100 yard rushers in the first year. I mean, we only played 12 games and we went four and eight. Uh, I remember Capri Briggs, uh, Colorado State, ran for like 330 yards. And I mean, we were, we we're really not shutting people down, but it's way more under control. I mean, we keep point limits down and for the most part, we control the clock, at least when we have a run game. So yeah. I think the defense has been one of the brighter spots this year. Oh, they're not getting – I noticed the corners aren't really getting beat deep like they used to. I saw that as a trend a lot my freshman and sophomore year, 2012-2013. Great point. I'd say it's a bit improved at least. That's something. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely a bend, not a break defense. They do give up some points, but I feel if we could get our running game going, we could definitely, you know – surmount that but the problem is, is there's lack of a running game in the freaking Fremont game yeah I, it actually wasn't awful I mean <clears throat> uh Don or Don Jackson didn't do too great 13 for 36 but overall it was four yards to carry and 
Uh, I mean, they weren't not moving the ball with the running game. It's just uh, with Tyler Stewart under 50% completion, again, on 44 attempts, uh, it's just hard to get the running game and that combined to really move the ball effectively. Well, I think Tyler Stewart was the leading rusher that game too. So uh, when, yeah, he when was. When you're non-rushing quarterback, you know, because he's not really a runner. He's no Cody. He's no Colin. He's no Cody or Colin, but, I mean, run. he can move. He can run, but... But, uh, I mean, when he's the leading rusher and you have the other two guys in the backfield, Very true. one of those should at least be the leading rusher. Yeah, I don't know if that's an offensive line issue or he's just like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to play GTA and run down the street. Yeah, so I've been in Reno for three years, and uh, two of the three years that I've been here, UNLV's came up to Reno and taken the cannon back home with them, which it upsets me. Yeah, I'm sure the players are pretty disappointed too, especially losing the cannon at home. Uh, Brian Pullian felt the same way. Uh, here he is at the press conference after the game. Obviously, we're incredibly disappointed right now. Uh, team's in a lot of pain, as am I. Um, very disappointed. Um, give UNLV a ton of credit. They made uh, a couple more plays than we did. Then, you know, going on to the next week, we're talking about New Mexico. I felt like they definitely did a better job in their game plan because they actually ran the ball. Yeah, this this game, uh, it was 54 rushing attempts. Tyler Stewart only threw 19 passes and was very efficient. He was 16 of 19 for 166 and two touchdowns. But on the ground, 54 carries for 351 and three touchdowns. That's six and a half yards a carry. Whoa. I mean, that's that's basically how you get it done. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like six yards. If I could run six yards down the field without, you know, getting crushed, I'd be happy because, you know, I'm like a little small dude. But the, he he looks like a powerful runner, and like I think we need to stick to the ground-and-pound game. And But, you know, we need to also improve our receivers just to, you know, keep the defense honest so that we can be successful running. Uh, I, don't, I haven't really seen any standout receivers, even in the New Mexico game, but uh, it, I definitely feel like they're – if we get a possession receiver, I, I I think that would help a lot. Yeah, I know Hassan Henderson has uh, has been looked to to step up, but I know he's been hurt recently. But the last two games, uh, Jericho Richardson has led in catches and yards. Uh, against UNLV, it was 8 for 87 in a touchdown. And uh, New Mexico was 9 for 121 in a touchdown. So I think he's really stepped up in Henderson's absence. Uh, I don't know if he's much of a possession receiver because he's not huge and he's more quick, but uh, he's definitely been reliable for Stewart over the last two weeks. Here's a, a crazy stat, actually. I just heard at the press conference earlier this week, which goes to what Tyler was saying about us not really having a receiver. I felt the same way, and then I found out that Jericho Richardson is leading the conference in receiving yards. you got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> what? Yeah. I did not know that. That, no. almost, that almost startles me because, I mean, again, we're a run-first team. Tyler Stewart's not really one to throw the ball down the field. And I'm just – if he's leading the whole conference in receiving yards, who else is catching the ball for us? Yeah. Really, I mean, it's and really been just too, him. To look at the whole conference, I mean, obviously Higgins, I don't think, is at Colorado State anymore. He was like the cream of the crop. But – or if he is there, Garrett Grayson's not there anymore. So I don't know who else in the conference is uh, is catching any passes from anyone if Richardson's leading the conference. Well, it'd be a good thing if, like, you know, we could lead the Mountain West in passing, but, you know, score points off our receiving game as well. 
It's true. Kind of makes you wonder who Boise State's throwing the ball to these days if, if probably, he's leading. Probably yeah. everyone. Yeah, I mean, like thought. two years ago, I mean, I know it was David Fales and Derek Carr, but I mean, Fresno State and San Jose State were elite passing attacks, so I don't know if it's changed that heavily over the last couple of years, but I'm just stunned that we have a leading receiver in the top five, let alone number one. Yeah, I mean, that's good stat. I like that we're leading in something, actually, in the Mountain West. I mean, it makes you look good. But, you know, there's something else good that's going on at UNFR, R, and that's uh, the volleyball team. So, Al, tell us a little bit about that. UNR volleyball team already has seven wins on the season. If you look back to the last two seasons, they had two wins two years ago, four wins last season. So the seven wins on the year already is one more combined win than what they had in the last two years combined. So uh, obviously training in the right direction. They got a new head coach this year, Lee Nelson. Uh, Madison Morell is playing out of her mind this season, leads the team in kills and service aces. We actually caught up with her outside of Legacy Hall. All right, so I've noticed the team has taken a lot of uh, strides this season for improvement. Uh, Why do you think that's the case? I think that we've just been able to, like, enjoy the game again and we found our love for it again. We um, kind of went away from that the last few years, but we got back to it, and I think that we've been able to focus on the process and focus on the little things instead of worrying about the big picture, which is what Lee's focused on a lot this year. And I think it's helped us like break things down and just move forward as a team. So individual performance, you've really stepped up this season, uh, leading the team in kills and service aces. What what can you attribute that to? Um, I think I can contribute to a lot of things. I think our work in the weight room, our work, um, my schoolwork. I think it's um, everything's come together, and I think the my love for the game has come back to. I've always loved the game, but I think it has helped me just break things down and not worry about all the little things and just to move on and move forward in the game and not worry about my last mistake and just to move forward and um, just help me play better and have more confidence in my play. Uh, you mentioned Lee, the new head coach, Lee Nelson. What has he brought to this team this year that maybe you haven't had the last couple of years aside from the love of the game? Um, I think that he's brought just more, I don't know, he has like a lot of hope for the program. So I think that he wants to build it and I think it's all based on us and what we can do as a team and he doesn't worry about other teams it's all if we show up to play if we decide to play our best if we um, work hard in the gym if we focus on the process all those little things all go to the big picture and I so I think that he's he's looking at the big picture of things but he is breaking it down all the little steps so it's not a huge thing for us to go attack it's just a small little portion of it very cool Let's go back to the Wyoming match. Uh, your 31 kills is tops in the conference, ninth in the nation over a five-set match. Really impressive. How how did you feel you got your rhythm going that match, and, and was it the best match you've played maybe ever? Um, it was by far the best match I've ever had. Um, I shocked myself. I um, At halftime, I was struggling. I wasn't playing my best. I knew that I kind of canceled myself out a little bit, and I went into the locker room, and I was just it was like, I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change how I play. I kind of just dropped it, and I went back out, and um, we just got into a rhythm, and things were working, and my setter, Lindsay Anderson, just kept setting the ball, and it kept working. So um, a lot of it goes to her, too, because she didn't stop feeding me. It just kept coming back and forth to me, but um, it was by far my best game I've ever had. Uh, last question. Any pre- or post-game traditions that you like to do? Um, pre-game, I always do the same thing every day I go and get taped. I um, 
put my knee pads on, then my shoes, tie them my right foot first, and then my left foot. Um, and I always listen to the song September by Earthman and Fire. It's because my we listened to it all growing up because my dad, and so I I don't know it's just my like one of my favorite songs. So I always listen to that song before I play. Very cool. All right, thank you. Thank you. Interesting song choice. Not really one that I would think I would get motivated to, but she has sentimental purposes for that. But again, we want to thank Madison Morell for taking the time out of her busy schedule to give us that interview. So thanks, Madison. So our friends, Brandon and Al, like to play some fantasy football. And because of that, there's some interesting news about that. Now, as you know, as you know, DraftKings has had some insider trading problems. Now, what about the details and how does that affect you, Al and Brandon? Well, I mean, when I heard about what happened about the DraftKings employee playing FanDuel and winning three hundred fifty thousand, three hundred fifty k, could you imagine? Uh, uh, Life. I, I imagine all the time, actually. <laughs> um, but hearing that he won that much on FanDuel using information uh, not known to the public, uh, I mean, that's it. Turns me off a little bit. I mean, obviously, I haven't stopped playing. Uh, uh, people always talk about how we have to stop watching the NFL because of all these bad things are happening, and I'm not one to really compromise what I do based on other people's actions. I'm still going to enjoy what I like to do and what I like to watch. But uh, at the same time, I mean, uh, I, w- I just wonder how often this has gone on previously, even if the prize pool isn't that high. I mean, if they have access to these numbers, that's a huge advantage, uh, especially when it comes to smaller tournaments that they could enroll in. So Yeah, I I mean, they're they're putting investigations into both DraftKings and FanDuel. I know you play on DraftKings. I play on FanDuel. Um, kind of an anecdote from my like personal self is I haven't won since week three, and that's when it happened. So clearly, <laughs> it's all on him, on this DraftKings employee. But yeah, no, it, it's uh, definitely an issue that needs to be looked at, and I, I'm kind of waiting to see what really comes out of the investigation. But I think one thing that already has happened is they're not allowing their employees to play currently in any any tournament, so the investigation is kind of finished, which is a smart move on, on their part. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's really too much to ask even going forward. Um, I mean, again, even if it's okay, even if it's not illegal, I think it looks terrible. I mean, if people are thinking about that when they think of playing or when they think of either site, I mean, that's just not good PR in my opinion. Uh, so I think it's the least they could do to kind of save face and make it look like they're respectable companies. Yeah, I mean, when you when you found out, how on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked were you? <sighs> That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I was shocked, but I wasn't like, you weren't like, like baffled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Maybe like a 5 or 6. I might have even been even lower than that. Really? It's like this guy works for a daily fantasy football site. Of course he's going to play. I mean, of you, course you're going to play. Yeah, what do you expect? What do you expect? Yeah. Uh, Nick, I know that you don't play this stuff, but uh, it, like when you found out about it, what did you think? I thought that guy or girl, whatever employee was, probably had some numbers on their side. Definitely, especially if they're an employee. Like I don't do – I only do regular fantasy football. I don't do any of these websites, but I would expect an employee of one of them who wins suddenly 350 k there might have been some foul play there. That was yeah, my first thought. That, that raises some eyebrows, definitely. And myself, who doesn't play any fantasy football because I'm lame, 
or so my friends say. Uh, I was just like, oh, well, they don't regulate it, and I don't think that, you know, maybe they should. Well, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. It's a slippery slope, and it's just, it's just interesting to me because I knew something like that was going to happen. I just didn't know when and how it was going to happen, and the way that it did happen was rather spectacular in my opinion, and I actually enjoyed it because people were flipping their guns, and I was like, I told you. <laughs> it's funny to watch in a way. Yeah, but, actually... uh on top of being funny, I think it's actually a good thing in the long run. I mean, one, it's addressing whether whether or not it's sports gambling or not, which, I mean, it pretty clearly is. But I think that discussion could lead into a bigger discussion than just about legalizing sports gambling in general. And, I mean, here in Nevada, we have it pretty nice. We can go to the sports book, make bets every so often. I plan on putting some money down on Memphis because I've seen 30, 35 to 1 odds for the NBA title. And, I mean, it just seems kind of weird how uh, pretty much Nevada is the place to do it, but it happens across the country. And, I mean, with the explosion of DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, it's just so much easier to do it now, even though, again, they don't call it sports gambling. Uh, I think it'll lead to a good discussion overall on the topic of sports gambling in general. I did have one uh, peculiar thought, though. Just, I don't know if it's... Uh, reasonable, but I was just thinking if it wasn't just the two powerhouses with DraftKings and FanDuel uh, and it was more, it wasn't so much of like a like, not Monopoly obviously because there's two of them, but basically like a Monopoly ran by two companies, uh, would there be the same reaction? Would it be as distasteful if it wasn't just these two and like, they're basically like overlapping uh, when it comes to to stats and playing, I'm sure. I mean, I'd be surprised if there's no one on FanDuel playing uh, DraftKings. But yeah, I don't know. I think it depends on the the amount of money that was won. I think uh, if even if it was one of the smaller, because there are a few smaller daily or weekly fantasy websites. I mean, I, I can't name any off the top of my head, but I know they exist. Okay, um, I did not know that actually. Yeah, there's a few. I don't. I don't know what they're called. They're, it's really weird. But uh, well, Yahoo's actually started to do one. They're doing. You know, it. I actually yeah, haven't seen that. Yeah, so yeah, you're right about that. that. But uh, but yeah, I think if the if the money was 350k off of say Yahoo or one of these other sites, then maybe it would spark some attention. But definitely not as much. Definitely, that's yeah. a good point. And you know, talking about other things in the news, we're just gonna do a quick little segment. Um, my team in the national circuit uh, of the NFL, you know, Kansas City Chiefs, Jamal Charles actually has a torn ACL. I mean, I love that guy to death because he's such such a class act. And you know, you know that speech at the Special Olympics really like spoke to me. And you know, look at him now. Uh, that Lamar o- o- and the Clippers guard, he suffered. Um, Lakers. Lakers. My fault. I don't. I, I, I think he's gonna say. Oh yeah, he he's not in the yeah. league now, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But he he is in a coma due to a what some articles I, I believe off of Reuters said an herbal Viagra that put him into a coma and is now having his heart fail. And he was found in a legal brothel within Nevada, so it's close to us. And any other news that really piqued your interest? Do you know if that was Vegas or Reno? Uh, it's out a, of interest. It's a smaller county because oh, wow. prostitution is only allowed in the smaller counties. And that's where he was found, a legal brothel. Do you know which county by chance? Um, I do not call. Uh, the Nye County? Okay. Nye, Nye. So that's kind of central. Nye. Yeah. That's <laughs> a tragedy. Because yeah. I, I hope he's okay because that's just sad, you know. I, I don't wish that upon anyone, you know. 
I mean, honestly, he's just looking for a good time. And, like, the fact that he's, you know, fighting for his life now, it's, it's, it's a sad thing to see. And, you know, I wish him the best. Yeah, I mean, I hope it, I hope the problem can be solved. Um, I don't know how long it's been going on or any details like that, but uh, hopefully he recovers all right and gets the help he needs. Um, something that stuck out to me earlier this week, as I'm sure everyone has heard, uh, someone else that is getting help that needs it is uh, USC coach Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I think it's just kind of scary almost. I mean, uh First at the banquet dinner with all the boosters. I think that I believe that was August 26th, maybe August 27th, uh, and really nothing was done even after he mixed alcohol uh, and pain meds. Uh, and I mean, in the following month, there are reports that he was drunk during the Arizona State game. Uh, people could smell alcohol on him in practice. Uh, so I mean, it's a deep problem, and and he's been a heavy drinker for a long time. So. That's just another thing that stuck out to me and uh, another example of someone getting the help they need. Uh, and it's good to see that, that he's at least headed the right direction uh, despite what's happened with USC and all, all the debacle there. Uh, I was surprised they didn't let him go right away. It kind of it was a long process. It took about a week or so. Yeah, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty ugly, actually. Uh, just the way they couldn't really get in contact with him but they said they needed to come out with it anyway. I think that looked pretty bad on Pat Hayden. Uh, I'm a little surprised he's there, but at the same time, uh, when you got the boosters behind you, and uh, especially when they sympathize with him, I'm sure over what's happened, it makes Hayden look bad. But again, when you hire an external firm to do your coaching search, it's pretty easy to deflect the blame. Uh, so I don't know if anything will happen to Pat Hayden long term, but overall, it was a pretty messy fire after they put him on leave of absence and then within 24 hours fired him, even without getting in contact with him, they told his brother-in-law. Mid-season, too. So, yeah, and another mid-season yeah. thing was uh, Steve Spurrier. Uh, he resigned. He did not retire because he he cited it as because uh, they're not winning. He believed that he is the problem to that, that he that the Gamecocks need to rebuild without him. He, he believes that as long as he wins, he will coach. So he's interested in possibly coaching high school football down there, but not the Gamecocks as it stands because he believes that he is not giving them the best chance to win games in the SEC. Like they they don't they haven't won a game in the SEC this year so far. I don't believe. Yeah, this actually stuck out to me a lot. It uh, it's just weird to me. I don't know. I mean, there were talks about his retirement, and obviously he's getting old. I believe he's seventy now. Might he be is 71. seventy. So old man, um, old ball coach. But at the same time, uh retiring mid-season or like essentially mid-season not quite halfway through the season uh it just surprised me I mean if you really wanted SC to turn a corner and uh progress I mean it's one thing to resign but uh I feel like if you really wanted that you could at least stick around as a coordinator again he doesn't have to lead the charge because he feels like he's he's limiting them but I just it's hard for me to understand how he discovered that He's he's harmful to their progress five games into this season. Um, I just feel like the story goes a little deeper than people have been saying and that he's revealed. Uh, I feel like there might be other reasons. It could be family. It could just be he doesn't want to do it anymore and he's just tired of it. Uh, but I think it's more than just wanting South Carolina to go in the right direction. I mean, this is no average Joe. This is no... 
okay winning coach. He's no Charlie Weiss. I mean, this is the old ball coach. This is the old ball coach, coach. and you wonder why. What five games into the season he's out of there? Something's going on, but yeah, you know it's his choice ultimately, and just like that, so we are going to sign off and end this, you know, little party. And for for the Wolfpack Owl, this is Tyler, Nick, Brandon, and Al. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs>